increase our faith. That was the appeal the disciples made to Jesus in today's gospel. A little dabble do you. Perhaps you remember that commercial. If a little bit goes a long way, imagine how much better everything would be if we had lots of it, lots of faith, not the meager measure that we so often carry around with us. Increase our faith indeed. St. Luke places this encounter between Jesus and his disciples against a rather fulsome backdrop in this part of his gospel. And it's a backdrop that we all know only too well from our day-to-day experience. Jesus knows, you see, that the disciples are trapped, trapped in some all-too-human way of thinking, all-too-worldly way that is not of God. Think of the trap, if you will, in our own terms. It's customary, of course, to recognize individuals who have given themselves in special ways to the service of others. In the community, for example, we might well bestow the Good Neighbor Award or the Good Citizen Certificate. Then more globally, there's the Nobel Peace Prize or some other international award recognizing a powerful contribution to the common good. We look to honor those who have gone the extra mile, who have carried the heavier load, who have toted the extra water, and they've done so by their selfless labor and have made the world a better place. But like so much that is good, even inspiring, even stimulating, if we're not careful, it's easy to miss the danger that lurks around. If we're not careful, we can all too easily come to the conclusion that it is just such recognition, just such accolades that define our worth. If we just keep going, if we keep going and never let up, then we will receive our just reward, at least in the eyes of our fellow human beings. But in today's gospel, dear friends, Jesus confronts us with a different kind of thinking and reminds us that This is not quite the way God imagines things. Jesus is reminding the disciples and reminding us, of course, that it is in God's imagination that our worth, our value, our place in God's picture of us comes not by right or by achievement, but only by love. In the reign of God that that Jesus imagines, there's a special place in the divine economy that comes not from doing good or being good, but solely because God is good. There's probably 
nothing in the economy of the gospel that your typical human being finds more difficult to fathom than God's utter disinterest in our self-righteousness. Jesus talks about self-righteousness more than pretty much anything else. If being good and doing good has no commercial value in the economy of God, then why are you here this morning? Why should we bother? Well, I suspect each and every one of us have a story or two at least of a particularly powerful moment when the scales fell from our eyes and when it dawned on us quite vividly that life in God was different, a different sort of transaction than the one we might first have imagined. I know exactly the moment in my life when I first understood it. It took place when I was a small child, and I was absolutely taken by the organist at our parish church. And I wanted nothing more than to be able to play the organ, more than a new bicycle, more than a new ball glove, more than anything else I could think of. And my parents somehow knew wisely that if I was ever going to be an organist, I had to learn how to play the piano first. And so in my childish, childish impatience, I moved every mountain possible, every mulberry bush I could determine in order to get that piano. It became a passion. The keyboard for me was like exploring one of the wonders of the world. When I asked my parents for a piano, my mother gave me a very predictable answer. Son, when you learn how to play the piano, we will get you one. Well, then as now, it was not clear to me how I was going to learn to play an imaginary piano. But I recognized the problem. If I was going to have a piano, I would have to earn it. It was a straightforward, simple transaction. Well, for a brief time, I let the matter rest. But the next time I brought it up, I made sure my father was around. Once again, Mom gave the same answer. And Dad was smart enough not to challenge her in that moment. But then I just sort of casually left the room. And the conversation about the piano continued. Now, I was out of sight but I was not out of earshot. And what, trans, what transpired taught me an important theological lesson. For my mother, the responsible parenting sort of thing to do was to make sure that I earned it. That was the correct way to teach me responsibility. But for my father, his opinion was, Janet, let's make the sacrifice and give him the piano as a gift so that he learns responsibility by learning to play it. Was I going to earn a possession or was I going to receive a gift and put it joyfully to use? A beautiful piano unaccompanied by my own self-righteousness. Well, friends, doing good and being good is, well, good. 
good for us, good for those we love and serve, good for the world, good for the gospel work of inviting the reign of God. But near at hand, there's always that trap. Lurking close by is always the temptation to believe that the way things work in God's imagination is the same way they work in the world we have constructed. We're tempted to believe that since the world rewards us for doing good deeds, honors us for going the extra mile, that that's the way it is with God. And the message of today's gospel takes an alternative view. Life in Christ is not akin to God's good citizenship award. But there's more to the story. Just as there's no room in God's imagination for our self-righteousness, nor is there room for complacency. As in my case, you may have received the piano as a gift, but you still got to learn to play it. The fact that we cannot earn our place in God's presence does not excuse us from showing compassion to those in need, working for peace and justice, and respecting the dignity of every human being. To acknowledge that it is God who is the source and giver of all things does not exempt us from becoming advocates for the lives of those who are threatened by the world in which we live. To confess that it is God, not ourselves, who is the ultimate giver does not release us from serving those whom Christ would have us serve, the lost, the hungry, the poor, the weak, the children, the sick, the grieving, the dying. Perhaps some of you have read, perhaps have studied some of the writings of the great Anglican evangelical writer John Stott. Dr. Stott was the rector of All Souls Langham Place in London for decades and decades and sadly died just a couple of years ago. In commenting on all of this, he put it this way. I was hungry and you formed a humanities club and discussed world hunger. I was imprisoned and you crept off quietly to your chapel and prayed for my release. I was naked, and in your mind you debated the morality of my appearance. I was sick, and you knelt and thanked God for your health. I was homeless, and you preached to me about the spiritual shelter of the love of God. I was lonely, and you went off alone and you and and left me i was lonely and you left me alone and went off to pray for me christian you seem so holy you seem so close to god and i'm grateful for that but i'm still hungry i'm still lonely i'm still cold dear friends in christ to concede the fact that we cannot advance God's dream by our own efforts does not absolve us from the gospel's demands for justice, to live justly, 
to demand justice for all from the structures of this world. The point of today's gospel is that we live life in Christ in the tension between two opposing temptations. The temptation, the folly we believe, that we can somehow get it done by some skill or righteousness of our own making. And the temptation to believe that because our good deeds have no commercial value in the economy of the gospel, then we need to do nothing but simply lie back, wrap ourselves in complacency, and allow ourselves to be lulled into thinking that war and persecution and starvation and disease and discrimination and injustice is just the way the world is. The disciples in today's gospel have been victims of both of those temptations. And what Jesus is asking them to do is to confront those extremes. Today's gospel is an invitation to take our place in the messy middle. Step too far in one direction and God says, take heed to yourself. This is not about you. Step too far in the other direction, and God says, does the master thank the servant for doing what the servant is supposed to do? Today's gospel challenges us to live in the tension between those two extremes. It's an invitation, I believe, dear friends, to live more deeply into the baptized life. I believe it's an invitation to claim the deep mystery of resurrection to receive the love of God and the life God offers as a free gift, but to live gratefully, to live gracefully, to act as a matter of faith, to relieve suffering, to overcome oppression, and to challenge every form of injustice, to share with ever every living soul the freedom of Christ, the only way of life that truly sets one free to be all that God intends for one to be. Pope Francis recently said to the priests of the Roman Catholic Church, God told you to be merciful. Mercy is messy. Do it anyway. To God be the glory. We believe in one God.